Hey, it's Sam Amick from The Athletic, and you can listen to me, Fred Katz, and Anthony Slater break down the inside story of what is happening in the NBA. Latest news, trades, signings, all of the above. Latest action on the floor. Be sure to listen and subscribe to The Athletic NBA Show and listen to Tampering every Tuesday. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Well, I mean, it's been urgency for me to get back ever since I got injured. Um, so... Um, that's just who I am. You guys could have seen the the, the logging of, of minutes and hours per day that I was doing as far as rehab and treatment. Um, it was uh, a lot more than than I slept. Um, so I've been that's over the last six weeks. That's all I've been doing. You know, getting back to 100 percent, it's impossible. I don't think I will ever get back to 100 percent in my career. Um, but you know, I felt comfortable where I knew I could get on the floor and help my team win. Bruh. New York strip steak. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang! With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Monday. I'm Dave DeFore and I'm filling in for Zach Harper on Basket Buds. I got Jay King, James Edwards, Trevon Edwards. What's up, guys? It's party time. Yeah, uh, everybody got the the Bucks Nets game on right now. This is like we're we're kind of getting into the a little bit of crunch time of the season, and it feels like every game right now has playoff implications. This has been awesome. What a great week! Yeah, the NBA is getting crazy. Everything's lumped up in both sides. Yeah, so I, I thought we could take this opportunity. We got a couple of weeks before the playoffs start. And we can sort of talk out some of the scenarios we're looking at because nothing is set in stone until you get to the top three in the in the East. And we'll we'll talk about that later. But I want to start with the West because it's ultra competitive. And I think that all of us kind of feel like the eventual champion is probably coming from there unless Brooklyn gets completely healthy and, and you know, has an easier road than it looks like right now. Am I am I on the same page with you guys here? I'm still holding out hope for Milwaukee. Uh, but I think your general thought is probably right. I pro- I'd assume I'm in the minority, especially when you couple in uh, the idea that everybody's given up on the Bucks until they do it. So I-, I like Milwaukee. I think they could turn the corner this year. Um, if Philly stays healthy, I think it could get interesting. But I, I think you're generally right, right that most people would say the champion's coming out of the West, unless Brooklyn gets it together. Yeah. See, I think all those three East teams have a shot. Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee. If you look at the West, like obviously the Lakers have been awesome and they, they won the title last year. If they get healthy, I'd consider them the favorite. But other than them, like there's no there's no team that's like head and shoulders above everybody else. If Joel Embiid is playing against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the finals, like that's they could win that. The Sixers could win that. And so I I see, you know, like six teams maybe including East and West that could, could win this thing. I wonder how much of this is just habit, you know, because the West has been so good and, and LeBron's in the West and, you know, he finally came back the other night. Would you, would you guys think about LeBron? I mean, I think that for the West playoffs, that's the biggest storyline is what does LeBron look like? What does Anthony Davis look like? Uh, LeBron was solid, you know, shot 50 from the field, not too much to ask for, you know, um, he mentioned that he's never, never going to be a hundred percent again, but such a what was that all about? Such by a the broad way. comment, but yeah, it um, really is. I mean, it's just the dude it, sprained his ankle. Well, ankle injuries are well, bad. Well, I think guys. it's just more so him being older and, and wear and tear and what people expect. 
Um, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have like, I, I would have been okay with him not saying that. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. it's kind of like, okay, if they don't win, it's because he wasn't 100% and he's going, the percentage is going to continue to decline, I guess, as he gets older, which is kind of what happens when you get older. And he's trying to like humanize himself again and say that things happen. I mean, he missed 20 games. Um, I still think that he's going to be very effective. And I think although he missed the games due to an injury, the rest was even more helpful. He's He's setting up the narrative. LeBron is setting up the narrative for for (laughs) when he gets to the playoffs. Now he is overcoming this ankle injury (laughs) that will set him back forever. I think that was the most games he's missed in his career. Outside of that, you know, it was more than his groin. It was 20 games. He acted like he had a Gordon Hayward injury. Or like the gruesome gruesome joint. (laughs) But but it kind of reminds you that LeBron has been so invincible throughout his entire career. Like to him, a high ankle sprain, a serious ankle sprain is sort of new. Like he always just rolls his yeah. ankle and comes back like 10 seconds later and it's fine. So to actually have that impact him, it's weird. Seeing LeBron vulnerable to injuries is just not normal. I wonder if he like overreacts to small injuries because it just it's some it seems like he's able to shrug off all these little things. So like I wonder if he broke his pinky. If he would feel like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be the same again because, you know, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> but I, I agree with you guys. I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, you know, clearly the conditioning is not quite where it needs to be. But, you know, I have to think that with 10 games and, and you know, it's it's a couple of weeks and I doubt he was that far out of shape. He's probably going to be OK. I, I'm much more worried about Anthony Davis. I, I don't think Anthony Davis has looked particularly good at all. No, he hasn't. I agree. Um, in terms of the was the the Kings game. Um, I thought working in LeBron, obviously it's LeBron, but AD Drummond, who's also AD, um, and LeBron, it worked. I didn't, like you said, Dave, I don't think AD's looked particularly well since he's been back, but I think it's kind of always been the case. What's going to come down for the Lakers is, is KCP going to show up? Is Kyle Kuzma going to show up? Are you, is what Ben McLemore has done lately? Is that real? Is Schroeder going to, it always comes down to LeBron teams and pretty much any team that's, contending for a title what are the role players going to do um and i don't think they've played particularly great as of late either um but i don't know man it's the lakers and when the playoffs come the lights come on i it, it's just hard to put a lot of stock in it right now just knowing what's going to happen when kind of that light switches is anyone else concerned about their center rotation right now <laughs> yes <laughs> you mean I, the I, one that has andre drummond in it yeah yeah because i'm not like like obviously they didn't have incredible centers last year, but Dwight Howard gave them a lot, and JaVale McGee was fine. Like to have Marcus All, who's really been struggling, and Andre Drummond, who like he's never really played winning basketball. I just feel like they've had a a significant downgrade at that position, and I'm not sure it'll matter because Anthony Davis will spend a lot of time at the five. Well, hopefully stretches that matter, but I just think there are questions about the supporting cast. And I had a lot of the same questions last year, but KCP was ridiculous in, in the Mm -hmm, finals. Like Rondo was ridiculous throughout the whole playoffs. Those guys played at a level that I don't think anyone expected of them last year. And if they're not there this year, then this team has like more holes than, than it probably did last season. And 
like I said, I, I would have thought the same thing going into the playoffs last year. So maybe I'm just a moron. And having LeBron and Anthony Davis take so much pressure off those guys will allow them to to reach a high level again. But there's just just a lot to like. They need Schroeder playing at a high level. They need Harold to mm-hmm. hold up defensively. They need like just a lot of things that I think aren't given. No, I think that's a good point, especially when you go to the centers. It's yeah, they're not Dwight and Javel weren't the names that well, especially Dwight that he once was, but they were low maintenance guys. And now you're kind of have two high maintenance guys and Andre who's going to sometimes just go off the rail and, and try to get some buckets. And Marcus Saul, you know him best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark knows where he's at in his career, but he's still a guy that's better with the ball in his hand. So it's like before you had two guys that you knew they knew to be defensive acres and to be rim runners. Um, and it's just easier to kind of navigate with that. But again, to Jay's point, it only matters when the role players step up. So are you going to get even 80% of the KCP you got last year. Are you going to get the Schroeder you saw early in the year? Kuzma, I mean, was terrible against the Kings. Um, yeah, there's there are some questions. But he's been good but this year. he has year, been good this though, year. Right, like, yep. see, I think Kuzma Kuzma's growth this season may help, you know, with some of the lack of production that, that we're, they're seeing as far as uh, compared to the expectations. Fair. But this is why Anthony Davis not looking right is bothering me because – I would argue he's behind schedule. Like he looks like he's farther behind than LeBron is. And, you know, when LeBron came back for one game from a physical standpoint to yeah. me. And I worry because last year they don't win a title if Anthony Davis doesn't have that crazy playoff run that he had. I mean, he was shooting like Kevin Durant. And so I think to expect that ridiculous. in this playoffs would be insane. And we already know that the offense this year is He was is so the, ridiculous. Dave DeFore called him the number one player in the world. I, I said he might be the best player in the league because I think it, you know, it changes from from week to week, right? Like that was Jokic one of my might be the best player in the league right now. When you and Zach were snapping yeah. at each other, getting pedantic over that is just not worth Jesus the, the, fucking the time. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, they they just needed a lot from him, and I think that it's on the offensive end where I really worry about them. I mean, that defense was great even without LeBron. And AD out there, but they just cannot score without those two guys. So any drop off that they see is going to affect the rest of the guys on that team. You know, is KCP going to be able to be what he was in the playoffs for them last year if Anthony Davis isn't as good and drawing all that attention? I don't know, but I do know that the LeBron corollary still applies until it doesn't. And as long as you've got LeBron, I think you're probably the favorite. Yeah, I mean, no one's betting up against LeBron at this point. I mean, it's it's kind of proven. Unless you know, thirty's not playing in uh in in, in later on later on in a couple months. So I, I like his chances more than anybody else. Um, yeah, but well, let's run through let's run through things quickly, uh, Trey, as they stand right now. Just kind of like get our bearings as we kind of talk out the West. Uh, U- Utah has a half game lead over the Suns. They lost the season series to the Suns, and and the Suns actually waxed them Friday. I, I think pretty clear that that's an obvious matchup issue, and luckily for them, it's one that they're not likely to run into until a conference finals. So that's a good thing. But Phoenix, you know, they look like a great regular season team. I don't know how you guys feel, but we we talked about them a lot on Nerder, and I think we all agree that. There are a lot of question marks about them in the playoffs. They just don't have a lot of playoff experience. DeAndre Ayton, a young center, and you know they typically are unreliable, especially in, in the playoffs and things like that. 
How are you guys feeling about Phoenix as we approach the playoffs? I mean, we know Chris him. Paul is great. I'm confident about it. And him. we know Booker's great. Because once yeah. Crowder returns, so, um, that's going to add some experience. But then just, I, I don't think Book needs to have to get his feet wet. You know what I mean? He's one of them type of players that just, you yeah. know. Ready from day one. From day one. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Unless unless they just really throw two at him or some type of scheme. But And, and Chris Paul has probably one of the best put together rosters that he's had in a long time. You know, I mean, those Houston teams are cool, but like this team, not to compare them, but like this team is a little bit more, uh, they got more fight in them. You know what I'm saying? Versus being left out to dry or, you know what I mean? It's going to be all dependent on his health. And he's been obviously healthy this, this season. And, you know, if he can, they're going to be a tough first round matchup for anybody. Second round, I think that's where it gets interesting for a lot of teams. Because mm-hmm. you know Denver team light skin is you know they're they're hooping <laughs> and then you got the Clippers you got the Lakers you know what I mean like that's a toss up it's not a it's not a cakewalk for the Lakers I will say um, like the Lakers are definitely gonna have to earn it this year um, so you know overall I, I like the Suns being you know whoever they match up with they gonna they gonna beat the first round and then second round would be a test but if Utah had to see them oh my God God bless. All Phoenix has done for the last month is play huge games. I mean, it, it, people are are stepping up to play the Suns. I don't know if you guys well coached, but like, yep. I mean, they are just playing huge games and they're winning. They're seven and three in their last ten. We all, you know, we just talked about the Utah win, like huge win. I don't, I don't know, man. The, the West might be a bloodbath, and we haven't even gotten to the Nuggets and the Clippers. I mean, it's just. It's that that top six, and and I mean I hate to even really include the Mavs there because I think that they're worse than all the other teams in the top six, um, but they're not pushovers. I mean we saw what Luca was able to pull off the other night. I mean it just and what he was able to pull off against the Clippers last year for the first half of that playoff series before he hurt his ankle. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the West is going to be a war to get to the, to the conference finals. Yeah, I I don't know right now who i love the most to come out it's and that's such a cop-out answer and phoenix on paper and just the feel it does feel like they're a regular season team but i'm with trey in the sense that i like their squad i think they're well coached i don't worry about devin's like first big moment experience he's one of those guys that i think is kind of just built for this um I do. I think it just comes down. We need to see it for everybody to believe it. But they have like guys that are gamers. I mean, like I said, Chris, Devin, even like Javon Carter is a guy who's not going to be afraid of the moment. Mikel Bridges. I love the way that dude he plays. plays. He's so a hard. Like, warrior. You just throw him. That guy's a that's, future that's Boston a bulldog sure. on a treadmill right there, bro. <laughs> Javon, I watched him all season last year. Pick up full. Different. Every play, and he comes in and brings the energy. And the same thing with campaign. Yep. What campaign has been able to, you know, what Monty Williams has been able to get out of campaign is amazing because that kid was left off rosters. He was ridiculed, you know, and for him to instill that confidence in him and and, and have him making big shots and, and plays, that that speaks volumes. And then Chris Chris Paul in general is just kind of like his leadership is contagious. And his confidence, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't back down. The Suns didn't never have, outside of P.J. Tucker, they have never had nobody that just can go out and defend the star player or that wants to do it, you know what I mean? And Mikael yeah. Bridges feeds off that as well. And he's he's budding as a player, you know? So, um, 
I, I just like I I'm I'm a big fan of them. I I am I can honestly say I'm shocked though that they're in the in the seat seating that they are in though. Yeah, I didn't expect this. I, I, I thought Chris Paul would make them a playoff team, no question. I think most of us did. I didn't expect this. And I think that's a testament to um one, Monty, two, Devin. And then, I mean, the Suns, they they got laughed at a lot for, I mean, some of their picks. Nobody laughed at Mikel Bridges, but like, I mean, Cam Campaign, Johnson, because he was a little bit. Cam Johnson. Cam's been, Cam's been yeah. good. He's been solid. Um, so they got, a, they got a team. I think they got a lot of bulldogs, a lot of guys that just have a different mentality. I do worry about maybe some front court matchups they could run into in the, in the playoffs after the first round. And I, I think the front court is probably their area of weakness. Um but yeah, I mean they have an elite backcourt, and when the game slows down, that helps. I don't know that any other playoff team has the backcourt. I mean, that can even hang with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. It's a good question. Does anybody? I mean, you know, I don't think so. I mean, the closest would be Utah in the West, yeah. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. But I mean, what those two guys are able to do, and then the way that they're. They, Brooklyn's if, is pretty. I was going to say for yeah, if we're just doing yeah, the West, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're using Chris Paul as like a closer, yeah, which is just it's just smart. And we saw them do a little bit of that in Houston with him. Do you guys remember this? Like he would start closing the fourth quarter, and then they would hand it off to James for that last stretch. I, I think that they're kind of doing something similar here in Phoenix, where you see Chris Paul start to take over about seven minutes left in the game, and then Devin Booker is the Mister Big Shot. And it just is working really, 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 really well. We keep calling them on Nerder a professional basketball team. It's the best way I can come up with to describe them because they just show up. They don't really make a ton of mistakes. Everybody works hard. They all do their job. They run the court hard and good stuff happens because of it. Now, I don't know if that's a finals team. I don't know if they've got that high ceiling, but man, I wouldn't want to play them. Yeah, they're tough and they have two tough shot makers too. Which right. which will matter in the playoffs, you know, like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they can go and get a shot against basically anyone and hit a lot of contested mid range shots, which obviously nowadays is kind of shunned by most people. But in the playoffs, when, those shots you just need a bucket, often all you can get, yeah, yeah, and and they, they they can both get those, so they're dangerous. They're dangerous. Like James said, I don't think their front court is is quite good enough, and 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 on both ends of the court too. <laughs> like I, I don't think it it's good enough defensively, but they they are tough. They're tough. <laughs> I love that well, team. Look, the West is just incredibly tough, and we haven't even talked about Denver yet. Um, Denver is now the third Denver. seed because the Clippers had a rough week, and I was one of these people. When Jamal Murray went down, I was like, oh, that's such a bummer. Because I, I thought the Nuggets at that point were sort of in, you know, they were they were in the pole position as far as heading toward the playoffs, rounding into form. They looked like they were going to be hitting their stride just in time to go on a run to the finals. And they lost Jamal Murray, and I was ready to say it was done. Well, they've gone 9-1 since then. And, and they haven't really beaten anybody. They did beat the Clippers, okay? And a lot of those, you know, they beat Miami, and we know Miami's been struggling all year. They beat Houston, okay? Not, some, some pushover games. But still, 9-1 and one is, is, that's pretty good, even against bad teams. 
I think Denver's better than we all expected. Since I've joined the Michael pod, Porter Jr. you guys are just on here. Steph MVP this, Steph MVP that, and and Jokic. Look, I mean, look at him. Like, I can't believe you guys are just sitting here with with this Steph talk in the middle of Jokic's <laughs> run. <laughs> Mister Steph for MVP himself. Jokic is the best player in the league right now. I mean, what he was doing to the Clippers. I mean, it was just embarrassing. He could do anything he wants. You can't guard him. No. Yeah, and obviously he he sets the tone there. And and they have kind of the the offensive spirit they do because of his unselfishness and his court vision and everything he brings to life. But Michael Porter Jr. Yes. Since Murray went down, and Murray played one game in this stretch, but since Murray went down, he's had at least 17 points in every single game. He's had 20 in all but two. He's averaging 26 points over their last 10 games when Murray's been out for all of those. When everyone was talking about the Nuggets before this season, and there was some discussion, debate over whether they should move Michael Porter Jr., I always thought they, they got to move that guy because, number one, he's, he's an injury risk. The, the health stuff you know, is, is concerning. But number two, I just thought he doesn't necessarily fit. He's not good enough defensively. But Murray goes down. And having him has been so important to have that second score next to Jokic, to have a guy who's going to give you 25 every night. I'm buying into Michael Porter Jr. in a way that I didn't, even when he was pretty good in the playoffs last year. Michael Porter Jr. sometimes makes me feel like he's the second star in Denver. Yeah. He's that good. You mentioned 25 you know, almost 26 a game since Jamal Murray went out. He's shooting 57% from the field. He's shooting 51% from three on eight threes a game. This is since Jamal Murray it's went crazy, down. crazy, man. And he's, and by the way, he grabs boards. He gets seven boards a game. And, and, and this is not a team that crashes the offensive glass. So, you know, his opportunities just aren't as much as a lot of guys, but he's a very good rebounder. Michael Porter Jr., if they make a run in the playoffs, it's going to be because Michael Porter Jr., is able to pick up the slack for Jamal Murray. And and then it helps that Gordon has just fit in perfectly. For them. Yeah, I think this served as another reminder to us. I don't think us on this pod necessarily needed it, but they're a good team. And, I mean, for Michael Porter to step up the way he has, and Aaron's fit in well, but he, like, he isn't providing a ton offensively during this stretch. Guys like, I mean, P.J. Dozier's been solid since Murray's went down. Yeah. Uh, Jamichael Green has had a few games, I think, with like 15-plus. So they got guys, and goes back to what Jay says, is it's a team that's built around the willingness of their star to move the ball and get everybody involved. And that just creates an energy that, I mean, I think allows guys to, I don't want to say play above their individual. Um, you could say it. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? It. Like it just, it, it creates a team atmosphere that just brings the best out of everybody. And they got a lot of competent guys that, just know how to play together. And, I, and it's shown in this, it, it served as a reminder uh, when Murray went down that this isn't just a two-man show. Um, and I don't, again, I don't think everybody thought that, but I think there are a good majority who who did. Porter I mean, Jr. cracks me up, man, because <laughs> you watch him defensively and it's like, like he doesn't really know what's going on. He's getting better, but. He's much better. It, the activity has never been the problem for him. It's been the. I, yeah. I don't know what to do with my hands. But then <laughs> offensively, he's like, it, like it reminds me of Goodwill Hunting. You know the scene when he's like, when it, oh my god, when it came to, 
to science or whatever, I could just play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I, I couldn't play the, the piano. I couldn't he's also not scared, out of, right? Out of Fenway Park. Michael Porter Jr. is like, I couldn't guard you. I, I couldn't keep you from cutting back door. But when it came to putting the ball in the bucket, I could just play. <laughs> he's know? world be free. But, they have they have a system that is reliant on people using the green light, right? Like everyone has a green light and Michael Porter jr. Is one guy on that team that absolutely is going to shoot. If you put the ball in his hands, if he has any kind of window, he's going to shoot. I think that that is easier to play with when you're a guy like Jokic, to be honest with you, and because and you know, I can deliver the ball to this guy and he's going to get the shot up. And the eight threes a game is important. Like, to get up that many and to be efficient with it. Volume shooter. He, yeah, but a volume maker too. And and that's really important. I've I've been surprised that they haven't really missed a beat without Murray. I do think when it comes to playoffs, they will sorely, sorely miss him mm-hmm. because yeah. they're they're gonna be tough to stop because of the ball movement and the cutting and all of that. But in moments when you know, teams are doubling Jokic or, you know, Jokic may not have it in one game. They need to go and get a bucket. Murray was that for them all throughout the playoffs. He was ridiculous. I don't trust Porter Jr. in that same way yet. His um his shooting splits are are really nuts. If you if you break it down, he's like sixty two percent on twos and forty four percent on threes. And this is a guy who's a six nine you know, three, four guy. Yeah. He, he's ridiculous. That's a cheat code. And, and this is without even talking about the fact that late game, they have the ultimate crunch time player. Like Jokic can just always get a bucket and that's going to be huge for them in the playoffs, especially without Murray. I, I don't know, man, the nuggets, the West is going to be tough. Who, like who beats the nuggets? Oh, that's a good question. You said who beats the nuggets? Yeah, who beats the Nuggets? I mean, the, the Lakers, Lakers are an the obvious Suns. answer, right? If the I want to see that series badly. A healthy Jazz. Yeah, I don't think the Suns beat them. I think the Jazz do. Yeah, I don't I think, think so. I think a healthy Jazz beats them, bro. I agree with that. I don't know. I hope we find out. Yeah, I do too. I want to see that Suns-Nuggets bad. I'm probably like yeah. in the minority. All right, let, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. Let's move over to the East because the East is also a mess, but it's not a mess at the top. Like the top has really separated itself in the East. And, and you know, 
<laughs> it's making it easier for us. But Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee, I think it's pretty clear here, and we all agree, that those are the top three teams and, and really the only three that have a realistic shot of making the finals. Are, are we all in agreement there? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I thought so. Okay. So, you know, we're not going to talk about them as much, but I think that the race for the fourth and fifth seed in the East is very compelling. And I would say the five teams competing for those two spots are the Knicks, the Hawks, the Celtics, the Heat, and the Hornets. The Hornets are currently four games back of the Knicks for the fourth seed. So they probably don't have a shot at the fourth seed, but they, they're only three games behind Atlanta for the fifth seed. So we're going to include them in there. And also it's an excuse to talk about LaMelo Ball, who, you know, I know Jay King's favorite player. He's back, man. I've been a LaMelo guy since like day two, not day one. Day two. <laughs> nah, it's like day 17, but it's cool. It's cool, bro. Down since day two, Jay King. But so Jay, LaMelo's back. And man, I, I think that um, collectively we were all just happy to see him back. That pass was ridiculous. One, one of the it's crazy. most it's crazy. outrageous passes you'll ever see. He just... I, I love that your hand, your back end, and reeled in from highlights. Because at first you were anti highlights. You was really trying to make the NBA white again. Post that highlight, Jay. You was really trying to make the NBA white again, bro. And I'm they, glad that you. It, back. it wasn't art. a chess pass last night. Two handed chess pass. Only. That game was the Lamelo experience. I had, I had to watch it. They played the Pistons, and it was the it was what we like to call the Lamelo experience, where he had a play for Twitter. Before that, he airballed a three. Then he hit a step back three. Then he missed two free throws. So it's like if you didn't watch the game, you think, oh, Melo's back. This is what he does. But he's like, he didn't play that well last night. He was fine. Uh, but it, it is exciting to have him back, especially on that team, with, as we talked about, I think, last week, with so many guys finding their way. Um, I, wouldn't, I'm not, I wouldn't be worried if I played Charlotte, but I wouldn't want to play Charlotte. Yeah, he's such a big-time drink stirrer for them and, and they, I think that they missed that when he was out and, and you know they, they're now the eighth seed and I, and I think that's about where they should be I, I don't think they should be a four or five seed right now I, I don't think he cost them that many games by being out but you're right like they are fun and and Jay you know this because the, they play the Celtics really tough they're extremely physical in a way that doesn't it doesn't look like the the old Pistons teams like beating you up but it's a lot of it has to do with the energy and athleticism yeah they they just they run so hard and when when they play washington and miles bridges at the four and five they're just so fast and like like they're really tough for teams to match up against because those guys can both stretch it to the line they're both physical enough to play up And, and that's been really important to to how good they've been this season is that they have a lot of guys who can play up a position defensively and so it allows them to play small. It allows them to play extremely fast. And then, you know, with LaMelo back, when whenever Gordon Hayward gets back, assuming he does, then they just have a lot of six, seven, six, eight dudes who can run and who can pass and who can shoot. And LaMelo opens things up for them. Hayward is obviously, I think, their, their most important piece, especially when it comes to, like, playoffs and, and manu- like manufacturing a good shot out of a possession Hayward's just really good at that he makes great decisions they need that but but being able to play the way that they do it just puts a lot of stress on teams how fast they are and how many guys they have that can be to close out and force you to close out 
Like they just have, and then they move the ball too, right? Like so, they yeah. let the ball do a lot of the work, and that's that. Like James Borrego is, has clearly instilled that. Hey, we can make the extra pass almost every single time, and then they they've got shooters. Their goal is uh, twenty team. I think no, I think it's thirty team assists a game. Yeah, I think they're second in the league in total passes or something like that. So that's pretty obvious that that was like a, an organizational goal, and. It coincides with getting this, you know, once in a generation passer, Lamella Ball. I mean, one of the more creative guys in the league. Of course, you say that, and then it's like, well, you know, there's like eight other guys that are about the same level as Lamella. So maybe eight I was going, a generation. I was going to say Compazzo, baby. Give Compazzo yeah. some love. I mean, look, compa- but, I but you get a guy like Lamella. He's not even in the league. Yeah, he he's know, he's, he's smoking a cigarette at halftime right now. We're not we're not <laughs> counting the the Euro guys because they they just don't operate on the same plane. But uh, beyond the Hornets, you know, you got Miami, who's been disappointing this year, and a lot of it has been injury and COVID related. And they just have not seemed to to be able to get their legs under them at all. No. I think they really miss Jay Crowder, and I know that that's like a running joke here, but. That's like the guy that that stands out to me that they're really missing right now. And I just I don't know. You think anybody is worried about the Heat at all in the playoffs? Is Philly worried about them? I don't think so. They're quiet. They're quiet right now, but like you can't brush them off. Yeah. Yep. Do you get what I'm saying? Like that is the, they're like they're mm-hmm. kind of like the Suns. Those are the teams that you still have to respect. You know what I mean? Like everybody's saying screaming Lakers and Clippers and Nuggets. But you can get punched in the mouth by the Heat. You can get punched in the mouth by the Suns. Like, don't sleep. Um, so I won't technically write them off. You know what I mean? And I think they they cause problems for a lot of teams just because of you know how hard they play. They're scrappy. They 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 get all the fifty fifty balls. You know what I'm saying? And then when Jimmy, you know, you don't want to bet against Jimmy sometimes because when he goes, he's a dog. And if he got that support, for sure. There are teams how too that Philly, I think will look Miami. Up. Oh, I was just gonna a say the Philly Miami series would be kind of kind of wild, actually, from a just style matchup. It'd be fun to see Jimmy try to punk those dudes for real, <laughs> and let the Sixers you, be the Clippers East. Oh man, oh man, no. that would that would that would ruin everything. Oh no, the jokes no, would fly. I, I, I mean, I would. Oh yeah, no, I think I think Miami is going to be tough just because it is Miami, but it just feels like you know the run that they went on last year. They they. You know, they got some hot shooting, obviously helped them a lot. Hot shooting from Jay Crowder helped them out a lot. I just don't, I don't know. This just doesn't feel like the year that they're going to be competitive in the playoffs. And I just think Philly's going to be too good. I think they're going to look a lot different with a playoff rotation. Because you you look at them. But Drogic has been really bad this year. And and that's something that we're overlooking a little bit so far, too. Yeah, they got a little older, you know. Like, Drogic isn't young. Iguodala certainly not young, um, but but like you look at their like they've played Max Struess in thirty four games for thirteen <laughs> minutes per game, yeah. you know, and like he's a replacement level guy, and and you you give those minutes to you know some of them to Tyler Hero who can play more than thirty one minutes a game in the playoffs. You give some of those to to Jimmy. You give some of those to Goron, and they revive and with Goran, Kendrick it just, Nunn. It just feels like they're just trying to get him to the playoffs. And hope that he can reach another level when he gets there. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that when they're able to give more minutes to their guys, they'll be a different team. They will they will look a lot different. And then they'll still have Jimmy to get them good looks. They'll still have Bam 
as one of the toughest guys in the league, they'll still have a lot that they can lean on, you know, when they get into those big time situations. Aladipo going down is kind of, uh, I don't want to say helped in a good way, but Kendrick Nunn's kind of refound himself. I think he's averaging like 19 over the last eight on like 55 and 45 or something like that. That was a guy that, I mean, very up and down, but I don't think anybody would argue that he can't put the ball in the basket. Yeah, he's averaging 20 and four rebounds over his last seven, 54 from the field, 50 from three on seven attempts. Like that's that helps, and that's another guy that he, can score. I, I can say he finally recovered from COVID, and I think that's what, yeah, that's what messed everything yeah. up as far as in the bubble um, and everybody, you know, kind of heel turning on him. But he always could go. Yeah. It's just, you know, obviously – um COVID and then you know conditioning and you know how that is in Miami dude you gotta you gotta stay on tip-top shape and they just not gonna throw you in the lineup out of desperation you know mm-hmm. like you you really have to report to to boot camp and uh it just looks like he's more focused and locked in this year all right so if we keep moving up Jay the, the Celtics are currently they're they have the same record as the Heat but they're the sixth seed they, they own the series so far this season. Um, Jason Tatum scores 60 and and needed every bucket. That's not a great sign, right? Like, and, and we know, like, this has been a rough year. And obviously, losing Tice, I think, has hurt them quite a bit. Uh, makes them a little bit more shorthanded. They just don't have the guys this year. But is, can Jason Tatum carry this team to, to a finals? Like, is he is he physically ready? And is his game ready? Because that's, I think, the only way they have a chance of even getting out of the first round is Jason Tatum just saying, all right, I have to play like the MVP for the next three months. Yeah, for for them, I think it's really important to get into that 4-5 matchup, right? Because avoiding Milwaukee, avoiding Brooklyn, and avoiding Philly in the first round, then, you you know, you, you get the Heat, you get the Knicks, you get the Hawks, whoever – and maybe win a series, maybe start feeling good about yourselves. And for the Celtics, I feel like like they're another team like Miami. They will look different in the playoffs when they're able to play their guys uh, more minutes and get guys healthy and get guys in the lineup. They, they've lost a ton of games to COVID-19. They've lost a ton of games to injuries. They've almost never been able to have their, their regular lineup together. Um, is Tatum good enough? Like, I I he can obviously reach a supremely high level. Like the guy just tied Larry Bird's single game franchise scoring record. Over, overcame a 32 point deficit with him. If he plays with that type of physicality that he played with against San Antonio, I think he had 19 free throw attempts. He was getting to the hoop at will. That that's a type of mentality he needs to play with. And when he does that, it frees up everybody else too. And I think the the biggest question mark for them over the the last eight games of the season or seven games of the season, whatever it is, they need Evan Fournier to start playing well. He he came back from from COVID, and Brad Stevens said he still feels foggy, which I assume was a a reference to brain fog. And he's been bad, man. He's he's been very bad, and it's not his fault. Like he he dealt with a horrible horrible illness. Um, and it's still dealing with the effects, but, but they're going in, they're not deep enough to get away with getting zero from him. 
Uh, Aaron well, that was the point. The point of yeah. getting him, right, was like we need a, a low-budget replacement for Gordon Hayward because that's the part that he missed all year. And then with Kemba being kind of in and out of the lineup, right, like that's maybe made that issue even worse, right, because they, they were thinking we can lean on Kemba a little bit more, get him making plays for others. We've seen that at, at times this year as he's been healthy. But, all right, Trey, James, what about you guys? Are any teams in the East – are any of those contenders, Brooklyn, Philly, or Milwaukee, are they worried about the Celtics in any way? I mean, you worry that it's going to be a six-game series and it's going to be tough because the Celtics are physical. But are they worried about losing a series to the Celtics? They shouldn't be. I no, mean, I, 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 yeah. Go ahead, Trey. Oh, go ahead. No, go. I mean, you worry about losing to anybody. I get that. But like, but let's be realistic here. I think from a talent perspective, the Celtics just don't have the talent of those other three teams. Yeah, I I mean, my my thing is, is that every team is respected, you know, like I don't think any team is taken lightly um, because you can you can get caught slipping at any point in time. And, you know, they're not just a terrible team. Um, But if I'm Brooklyn or Philly, I like my chances this year against them than any other year. Yeah, I'm the same. I just. You just look at the Knicks. Do you trust them being able to generate enough offense come the playoff time? The Hawks, do you trust their inexperience? Boston, it should be unfair to rely on Tatum to be supreme, superb right now, dealing where he is in his career. He's still young, given all he's gone through this year with health. I think that's unfair in Miami, as we just talked about. I just don't – this isn't – their year it doesn't feel like it's their teams i don't want to see miami like I, I just respect them as an organization i respect spo bam is a monster i respect jimmy like there's got there's there's teams that you want to see more than the others i would say of those four i would probably just based off star power want to see boston and miami less than the hawks or knicks and all due respect to the knicks um i just i think as fun as they've been this season, I just worry about them come playoff time. And again, Atlanta, um, shout out to Nate McMillan, but that team is, I I still think they really badly just need to get a taste of the playoffs. I I could see them. I mean, right now they're playing the Knicks and if they can play the Knicks, they might be all right. I think that would be a good series. Right. Um, But how far could they catch the Knicks and could the Celtics catch? Yeah. So, I mean, there could be a little bit of reshuffling here down the stretch. I, but to answer your question, no. I think the Nets, Sixers, and Bucks yeah. are are worried about each other. Um, but but right, yeah. and that's it. And, it. and I think you made a good point about the Knicks because the Knicks and the Hawks are right now in that four or five spot. But the Hawks only have a half game on Miami and Boston. I actually think Boston or Miami are going to catch them, if not both them and the Knicks. I do think Atlanta will drop out of the five seed. Although, you know, if Jade wants to go back to our season preview and pull up the clip of me saying, I think that if everything goes right for Atlanta, they could be the four or five seed. And then we go look at the standings with two weeks left. If anybody wants to do that and pat me on the back, <laughs> I'm totally open to that. What were you um, saying about because that? Because I remember the end of the season though. I remember the response on this podcast when I said that and, you know, much to our surprise, look at where we are now. But I, I, I think that Atlanta is, is fascinating because they have the, they have the ability to be this this high-powered offense, and their defense is better than you think. Yes. I don't think that they can win a series uh, against a real, like, you know, Milwaukee or the Sixers or the Nets. 
But I think if you're the Knicks or, I mean, let's say you're Boston, I wouldn't want to play Atlanta. No, that that would that be would, fun. I, would, I think the Knicks, the Knicks are the matchup that everybody should want out of that group. Not Maybe not Horn, the Hornets. Like the Hornets are the team you want to play. But next, I think it would be the Knicks. I'm with you. I agree. I think the question marks are, you know, who's going to make shots for the Knicks when you yes. need them? That's, that's my big question when I look at the playoffs and I start asking, who's going to be the guy that takes the mid-range jumper when that's all that you've got? And that's the shot that gets you to the finals. I'm with you. And I just don't think the Knicks have that guy yet. Teams are going to focus on Julius. They're going to make him make good passes, which he's done um, this season. But I, I, like you said, Dave, who's going to hit the shot when he has to kick it out? And um, I think their defense is, I mean, superb. Watching it in person is absolutely nuts. But I do think a team like Atlanta is going to find a way to get some points. Um, and I don't know if the Knicks have enough to get to that level of scoring um, that Atlanta can get to, that a Boston can get to. Um, it's going to be, yeah, I'm actually, those are probably my favorite. That possibility, a Knicks-Hawks, as blah as it sounds, I would love to see that first-round series. That would be one of my favorites um, in both conferences early on. If that happens, we're going to wind up with Boston or Miami playing Philadelphia or Milwaukee in the first round. That's what I'm rooting for. Give me that chaos. All right, right, quickly, uh, as we wrap up, who are the four or five seeds uh, two weeks from now, guys? Um, I I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the Knicks and I think it's going to be the Celtics and that's going to be our first round matchup. What about you, Jay? Yeah, that's kind of my prediction right now. Celtics have one of the easier schedules remaining in the league. Um, Knicks have a little bit of a cushion over the Hawks. I think Boston gets in there barely and and probably beats the Knicks in round one before losing badly to Brooklyn in round two. What about you guys? I, I agree. agree. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We're all on the same page for once. That's amazing. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. For Jay King, for James Edwards, for Trevon Edwards, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Basket Buds on the Athletic NBA Show. Way too many damn Edwardses, man. (laughs) 